0: You are listening to Believe, Strive, Achieve,
1: Endurance Podcast with Diogo Custodio. If this is your first time listening, then thanks so much for coming. Get ready and enjoy the show.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Believe, Strive, Achieve, Endurance Podcast. My name is Diogo. Today, our guest is Soro Williams. She's one of our coaches in Try Training Harder. Welcome, Soro.
1: Hi. Thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yes, very good.
0: How was life in the UK?
1: Um, life in the UK is interesting, keeping me busy. Yes, it's cold at the moment, which is probably about right for August.
0: So, so it's the normal uh, weather for the um, <laughs> for UK, then. It's the summer weather.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing changes. It's still cold.
0: Soro, for those who don't know you, um, I'm gonna start with a question of how you got involved with sports. Um, how everything started for you?
1: Okay. Sports. I was not a sporty child, um, which is different from most conversations. I guess I start listening to when people do podcasts of how you get involved in sport. Not interested in sport was really the child who would sit and try and get out of PE lessons, um, mm-hmm. and then got involved with running because my mum wanted to lose a bit of weight, but she didn't want to run round the um, where we lived. There was a golf course with a running trail around it, and she didn't want to run around it on her own so she made me go with her. Um, So I got into running that way and started to enjoy it a little bit but then didn't really run again, went to university, didn't really do sports, Um, came out of university, uh, in a relationship, moved house, bought a house and then we bought mountain bikes. Um, So started mountain biking a little bit. We lived in Bristol at the time which has got some really good mountain bike trails nearby. Um, but again, just did that every now and again when I felt like it. And it's only when we moved to Oxfordshire, um, that my husband started working their job, which meant that he worked much longer hours and I started to get bored in the evenings. Um, so I saw that there was a local triathlon club, couldn't swim, mm-hmm. literally couldn't swim at this point. Um, but contacted them and said, Oh, I'm looking to do some kind of training, get back into a bit of fitness, but I can't swim. Is it OK just to come to your run and cycle sessions? Um, and they were really amenable, really friendly. So I started getting back into sports in my mid-30s because I was bored. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How can that be possible? So, I
1: know. <laughs> I was bored and I wanted to find some friends. I think, that, And that is really the reason that I got into it. Um, so that's kind of how I got into triathlon as well. It was duathlon to start with because it was the, the whole swimming thing. Um, and then I was doing swim, um, cycling and run training with the club. Um, and they had a, a um, stipulation that you couldn't go to their swim sessions unless you could swim 100 meters continuously, which I couldn't. Um, and then it was like, oh, well, I'll, I'll just carry on doing duathlon. And then I kind of think I sat there and just thought, this is ridiculous. You're a grown up. You you can go and have swimming lessons if you want. Um, and the place where I was working at the time had a, a swim club almost that um, once a week on a lunchtime, they would go to the local pool, which somebody hired out and gave swimming lessons like a swim squad over a lunchtime. And they would take one person every term as a complete novice swimmer, give them a lane to themselves and teach them how to swim. Um, so I did that. Because I was fed up with saying, oh, no, I don't do triathlon because I can't swim. Um, so I started to do that. And that was ten, nine years ago now.
0: And how long did it take you to, from when you started with the club until you got to the swim lessons? Six months. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And how long did it take you to, to learn how to swim?
1: Oh, it felt like forever. <laughs> <laughs> I think it took again. It, it did feel like forever. I remember joining in the July and then the following January, one of my clubmates roped me into doing this equathlon over the winter where it was 200 meters swimming um, and then a 5K run, I think it was, in January in the UK, which was just ridiculous because that's freezing. But not knowing any differently, I just signed up and went, oh, yeah, that sounds like a good, good idea. Um, and it was really low key, so it didn't matter how I swam it. If I wanted to stop and have a little rest at the end of each length, then that would be perfectly okay. So I think I was quite reassured that it wasn't going to be a complete disaster. Um, so yeah, I started swimming in the July, did the aquathlon event in the January. And then that June, I did my first triathlon, pool-based wow. triathlon.
0: Yeah. What was the distance of the, the race you did?
1: Uh, the triathlon, it yeah. was a sprint, so it had been 400 meters in the pool. Wow. Yeah, although I did 450 because I lost count.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. So it took less than one year to yeah. do all that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when I look back so on it is, yeah, thank
0: you. It's impressive. Yeah. Um, just one question. What did you study um, at university?
1: Oh, chemistry. Something completely unrelated.
0: Okay. Yeah. And then, um, so you went to the university, you, you went out, then you went to sports, you started yeah. running, cycling, and then swimming. How did you get involved with coaching them?
1: Um It was the coach of the club that I started at, so Abingdon, just outside Oxford. Um, the coach, there was just one coach for the whole club, made me feel so welcome, so involved, so included, even though I was pretty rubbish at swimming um, and was just getting back into doing everything else. And it's just really inspiring. And every week it was always a smiley face, a friendly face encouraging even though I was dead last at everything it it didn't matter and it really did feel like it didn't matter um and because he was so like that and made me feel so welcome part of my um, previous career life has been working in human resources um Mm -hmm. where you end up helping a lot of people but nobody ever really says thank you no one ever rings you up and says thank you for paying me properly this month it just doesn't happen um but I could see quite a lot of those skills that I had and passions I had of helping people get to where they wanted, what they wanted to do in this coach. Um, And I think I looked at him and it was like, I want to do that. I want to be able to generate this type of environment for people to encourage people to get back into sport and fitness. And with triathlon, it really doesn't matter how good or not you are the The environment that we had in that club was everybody encouraged everybody whether you were running three minutes per kilometer whether you were running seven minutes per kilometer everybody got the same amount of attention praise encouragement and enjoyment out of the sessions um, and I think it was looking at him that it's like I, I want to do that I want to be like that um, so that's how I got into coaching there was a call for you know, just some people want to do their level one or level two coaching qualifications to help the coach out because the club was expanding so rapidly it's really difficult for one person to take all those sessions all the time it's really time consuming um so yeah i signed up to, to do a coaching course and and that was the start of what is now
0: and how long was it from when you start swimming until you decided to go to be a coach and then going for a coach (laughs)
1: um
0: because if you are listening to this it seems like everything was just went in one year time
1: oh okay
0: um it wasn't like that
1: that's not too far from the truth um so I, i joined the club in 2011 i think something like that and i did my coaching qualification in 2013 okay um so yeah maybe kind of 18 months two years later then I and the dates are a bit hazy because I can never really remember what I did when and I'd have to look at all my certificates and things but I then had an opportunity so I carried on coaching for maybe three years or so and then I had an opportunity with my current workplace to stop working um and find an alternative job um, because the place I was working was being taken over, so my role didn't yeah,
0: make it yeah. anymore.
1: Um, so it was a, an opportunity to kind of sit down. and think, okay, do I want to go and work for another organisation in human resources, doing the same thing but for a different company? Um, pretty much, the answer was no, thank you. Um, so, kind of sat and had a chat with my husband to to see what what there was around I fancied a bit of a career change and had been doing coaching and really enjoying it I'd started coaching online as well a little bit by that point um and then Philip from TTH um Philip and I used to live quite close to one another and be part of the same tri club so I knew of Philip and had been on one of the training camps that TTH, had run, TTH runs
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: so I'd contacted Philip and said look I'm thinking of expanding into coaching as a more of a full-time role although still part-time. Um, did he have any advice or guidance that he could give me around what I needed to do, whether there's extra qualifications I needed, what experience I would need? Um and true to Philip, we had a meeting on bikes. We went for a bike ride and then
0: Those are there. the best meetings.
1: Stopped <laughs> <Yeah>, at a coffee shop <laughs> for cake and had this meeting, which was great. And then we cycled home. Um and yeah, Philip gave me loads of advice in terms of, you know, what I needed to do, what experience I would got, what I might want to think about, experience I might want to think about getting, and then also mentioned that in the training camps, they bring coaches from the UK to to run the training camps and be a coach in the training camp, and that might be some experience I would want to think about getting. Um, obviously, going from quite a highly paid job to a not so highly paid job was a consideration, so that took... conversations at home to see whether it would be possible to do plus leaving my other half at home for six months um but it was a case of well if not now when let's you know just do it if you don't like it don't do it again um so yeah i went out to portugal um did a season as a coach on a training holiday um and then came back and didn't go back into the world of hr following that and then
0: and how yeah, was that uh, come back yeah. to reality?
1: How was it? Yeah. Um, cold. <laughs> <laughs> it was really cold. Yeah, it was good because as I'd been out on the training camps, picked up some um, athletes who wanted to be coached online. So carried on doing the coaching, but just from an online environment, still coaching with the club when I came back, and came back with all sorts of different ideas and different experiences from being on camp, which I could mm-hmm. bring into the club, which... Um, hopefully people enjoyed
0: um
1: so that was yeah that was quite good it was quite different because I'm so used to being sitting in an office sitting at a a desk talking to people over the phone you know meeting people face to face to then go from being on training camps where you're in everybody's face all day every day yeah to then coming home to being quite isolated um I found that quite difficult to get used to because I'm so used to being around other people Um, but then found the solution to that was, well, just pick up your laptop and go and work in a coffee shop. Um, because I just need people around me. They don't need to talk to me. But just that seeing other human beings mm-hmm. um, was was what I craved. So I kind of sorted that out.
0: It's um, funny that you're saying that because um, I think that training camps are an amazing experience for those who never did it. Mm-hmm. But it's so intense for the staff uh, yeah. in a good way. Um, yeah. And i'm I think its you started when you, the, the season was just half a year, or was mm-hmm. half a an year, uh, and when I started was four months, I think or three months. so it's a different kind of uh, of experience, however, it's still very intense, and I think that once we get back home, there's like um almost like a hangover from it, and um, like I don't know how to explain the, the feeling that you have, but um it's almost like feeling sad. Um yeah a bit of a reality you know mm-hmm.
1: yeah it is you you're almost on a training camp you're almost in this bubble where you know what you're doing every step of the day um and everything is there and you're supported to be able to give the athletes the best experience and then when you come home you've got to sort out your dinner you've got to do the shopping
0: exactly. you've got to
1: pay some bills you <laughs> nobody like does it for you. Um so yeah, it was a it was it, it was a bit of a, a bump yeah. back to reality, especially when there's somebody else at home who has been doing all those things for you for the last X number of months. Um and then I needed to make sure that I didn't just sit down at the dinner table and wait for my dinner to be served. <laughs> wait for
0: Scotland to bring you back food. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, suddenly um, that you know that that's not how it works in your own home. You kind of have to share these responsibilities, um, but you, you kind of just fall back into to life. But that that was the whole thing around craving contact with other people um, that I really needed to to have. That.
0: What do you think it was um, in terms of coaching? What was your best experience? Um, not just from the training camps, but also from the online coaching, from all your experience that you had. What was the one that you record is one of the best ones you had? Oh, now you put me on the spot a bit. I don't really, no. There's always lots of little things
1: that you kind of think, "Oh yeah, this is what it's all about." I really enjoy this, but they pass. I don't. I. I don't know. I don't have an answer to that question. I'd have to think really long and hard about what has been the best experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are definitely a hundred times more good experiences as there are poor ones. Um, but I can't think of anything that, that jumps out particularly.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, my favourite thing is when someone does something or they try something new um, and they come back from whatever length rep around the track and are like, oh, that felt amazing. That's great. Let's do it again. And see just somebody really enthused from just some small thing or appears to you some small thing that you've said to them um, but it's made such a big difference it's those little things that i really enjoy that that make me keep coaching
0: i think one of the the best feelings as a coach is when you finish the session and the athletes or just one athlete comes back to you and says this was a a really good session i enjoyed this one thank you for Mm. that yeah Um, i think that's a very it's a good feeling for for us as coaches when you have Mm. that kind of uh, feedback you know
1: well, that's what you're there to do, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Help
1: people get better, and and hopefully, they enjoy it while they're doing it. They might not enjoy it exactly while they're doing it, but you know, when they've had ten seconds to reflect at the end of, yeah, okay, that session was hard, but you know what, I actually really enjoyed it.
0: And the same when they have been challenged to do something new and they achieve it. Hmm. Um, and speaking about challenges, I know that you did a, a huge one in two thousand eight. 18? Was that eighteen? It was
1: two thousand and eighteen. I remember that one.
0: <laughs> yeah, you should. You should. Do you want to talk to us about that experience?
1: Um. Well, it was a secret. Um. My my experience. I decided that. Um. Well, go back a couple of years. There's a particular uh, long distance Ironman event in the UK, which is not an Ironman branded event called Outlaw, um, and I've done it. Three, four times as a relay team. So I've done the swim twice and the bike leg twice. And every time I've done it, it's like, this is amazing. This is the best way to do long distance events. Do it as a relay team because the training's much more manageable. And there's always that element of, oh, there's something there that I'm not quite sure I would be able to do. And it's always been the marathon. And I've run one marathon, standalone marathon. It's like, I can't ever envisage doing. The swim, which I still found challenging, the bike, which wasn't too bad, but that's a pretty long day out on its own, plus running a marathon at the end. So I've always um, ticked that off my list in terms of, no, I don't think I'd ever want to do that. And it was when one of my friends did an Ironman in secret and she didn't tell anybody that she was doing it until she'd actually done it. And it wasn't about what time she was going to do. It was about the fact that I, I am going to do this challenge and it's going to be the biggest challenge of my life. And I was really inspired by that um, and thought, well, if she can do it, I can do it. And if she did it in secret, well, I don't have to tell everybody what I'm doing. Um, and for me, I feel a lot of pressure from other people trying to be nice and helpful. So people constantly asking me how my training's going. Put I, I feel a lot of pressure from that and I don't yeah. like it. Yeah. So I thought, well, I don't just don't tell anyone what you're training for. You no, know, nobody needs to know. Um. So obviously I told a few people. So I had a coach at the time, um, and I told him, I told my husband, and I told a couple of friends who I knew would be really supportive. You told me. I told. Him, there you go. See, friends who'd be really supportive. Of those who wouldn't like just keep asking me how it was going, but I could ask advice from, mm-hmm. and they would be able to give me some decent advice um so yeah there were a few people who who knew what I was doing um so yeah I I really did not tell anybody that I was doing it but I turned up with the It was hilarious I turned up with the race doing um training camps you obviously get to meet a lot of triathletes because they come through in the years I think within the first I don't know 10 minutes of being me being in the registration tent I must have seen about 50 people that I knew but luckily for me, everybody had assumed I was there to do the relay team. As usual. Yes. So I didn't correct anybody. Um, but then the eagle-eyed people noticed that um, if you're doing the solo event, you get a different colored band from people doing the relay event. And a couple of people are like, oh, you're doing this by yourself, aren't you? And I was like, yes, but please don't tell anybody. I don't want anyone to know. Um. And yeah that, that that happened the weather was absolutely atrocious as we were sitting in the tent the day before for the briefing thunder was rolling ahead you could the wind was flapping against the marquee tent it was wobbling and um, they cut the swim so the swims in a boating a rowing lake so it's um 2k up and then 2k back so they shortened The swim is a little shortened version of that rowing lake, but it's straight to the end, turn around and come back again. They kept the length of the swim the same, but shortened it to laps so that you could be a little bit more sheltered in this lake. Um, Which, in my opinion, was just possibly the worst thing that they could have announced because it meant that nobody would get strung out. So everybody would still be in a bunch. Um, So I wasn't too keen on that. The weather was going to be awful. I was going to get soaked. The summer. Of the training that I'd done up till this event had been absolutely beautiful. I'd got the best cyclist tan you've ever seen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I would do all my long rides in the sunshine. My main worry was about which supermarket I was going to stop at to get more <laughs> water. Um, oh, it was just fabulous. And then race day came, and it <laughs> just poured with rain. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did my I did my first and only um, Ironman event as a secret I didn't tell anybody and you know one of the things that kept me going was um as I came kind of down the finishing chute it was like I can't wait to tell my mum what I've just done
0: not even your mum knew not even my
1: mum knew my brother knew I had told my brother um and it was really lovely actually the handful of people that did know um and who were in the UK there's a they were tracking me and I picked up my phone at the end and there were so many messages of people who were, knowing that I couldn't read them at the time, but reading them later, messages of support during the race saying, you know, are you doing really well? Did you know you're in this position at this point? Um, and, you know, my brother saw that I'd finished and then rang me immediately to say, you know, I'm so chuffed for you. I'm really pleased. I can't believe you've done that. So,
0: yeah. Such an amazing achievement. Um, and being able to, not having... Almost anyone about it is just I think that nowadays, with so many social media and all that mm. kind of uh, distractions we had, it's almost impossible to do that
1: yeah, a couple of people had guessed what I was doing because my bike rides were uploading to Strava um, oh, okay. and they saw that I was riding long long rides um and you know that's fine, but I honestly would say my best advice to people if they're really nervous about doing a long distance event or any kind of event. Just don't tell anyone then. Mm-hmm. And it does take the pressure off because n- nobody knows that you're
0: doing it. There are no it, expectations from you, for, for yeah. you. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. So I mean, tell your loved ones or the, the key people that will help and support you. But you don't have to tell everybody and announce to the world what you're doing. It's fine.
0: I agree with you. Um, I think when you start putting a lot of stuff in social media and telling everyone what you're doing, there's going to be a huge pressure on you um, for your result, for your um performance, hmm. and if you are one of those athletes who are not very keen to have outside pressure, well, that's not a good idea then,
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, some people thrive on that by sharing their goal and they they get their motivation from other people, you know asking them how it's going and um putting things on social media and getting encouragement that way, but if that doesn't work for you, there are other. Other ways of doing them.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. So after that, what have you been doing so far, Sorrel?
1: Oh well, I went to the World Championships on the back of that. Which is quite
0: <laughs> <exciting>. Okay. <laughs> well done. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I qualified for the World Championships, which wasn't my intention. Um, I had half an eye on it, but wasn't really quite sure. And then thought, well, do you know what? Why not? This is probably once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, and it was in Spain the following year in mm-hmm. Pontevedra. Uh, and it was a slightly shorter distance um, to the long distance world championships aren't a full Ironman distance. Um, it's the same ish swim, 120k bike and a 30k run, which seems a little bit more palatable. Um, so I did that. But I did that as a complete and utter tourist. It was fabulous. It was. Enjoying the views. Yeah, enjoy the views. You know, you're here to experience it. It's how I imagine some people should enjoy the Olympics because just getting to the Olympics is an achievement within itself. Um, So, you know, you should enjoy your time while you're there. I was really reminded of watching um, Mark Cavendish and the Tour de France this year, where he was such a complete fanboy of being on the Tour de France and just enjoying it and the spectacle that it is and just being grateful that he was there reminded me of when I was in Spain of, yeah, I am going to go to this and I am going to get the T-shirt and I am going to chat to all the other people in the different nations and high-five everybody as I'm doing the run because I'm, I'm here to enjoy this and I'm, I'm not there to compete it because it's the World Championships and you can I'm still
0: have some time. fun doing that
1: exactly, exactly so yeah, it was great so I did that um, and then I have been involved a bit more in terms of coaching um, when I did a couple of my qualifications I had a coach mentor to help me decide what I would want to do with my coaching, where I wanted to go. Um, And that was really good because we'd sit down and have some honest conversations around what opportunities there might be available and how I might go about getting those opportunities. Um, And one of them was working with children. And I've always vowed that I never wanted to do children coaching or coaching children. But in my head, I'd interpreted children as under the age of 10. Um, but I didn't realise there's this whole genre of young athlete that has good coaching experiences attached to it. So when kids, triathletes, get to kind of the age of 13, 14, there's a pathway that then takes them through to elite coaching and, sorry, elite triathlon and elite um, competing and I didn't know that they came together as an academy and they were like a little club within themselves like a squad um, so I was chatting to my mentor and he mentioned um, about the academy in my local area um, and I should reach out and get in touch with the lead coach and see if I could go on to some sessions and see what it was like to see whether it's something that I would like to do so I did that um, <laughs> and, and the way I met this person was um, we both happened to be at the cashkash. Conference in Portugal the same weekend as the first 70.3. Yeah. So we actually got chatting there um, over a coffee, like you do. Um, so Scott said, Yeah, always looking to have guest coaches in the academy, you know, bring new ideas, fresh set of eyes, etc. Um, so I went along to one of their training weekends. I think I went along to the trials, can't remember which happened first. Um, training weekends met the athletes, and I wouldn't really call them kids because they are teenagers and mini grown-ups by this point, and just had the best time. Um, And it was my preconceptions of coaching kids
0: and coaching
1: young athletes has changed, Yeah, and I would put them in the young athlete category. Um, And it it was so refreshing, not that you don't see it in age group triathlon, but so refreshing to see these younger athletes trying really hard Getting excellent performances and starting to see them on a talent pathway to something which could be greater. Um, and it's just as you've got the legacy of British Triathlon and some of the athletes who've come through the pathway system now appearing in the Olympics, in the World Triathlon Series. Um, so they're all inspired by people who six or seven years ago were in the same place as them in an academy. And look what's happened to them. Um, So, yeah, I started coaching with the academy on a volunteer basis. um, And I've been doing that for the last three years, four years now.
0: And you still have age groups, correct?
1: Still have age groups, yeah.
0: So what do you think is the difference in terms of approaching as a coach between youth athletes and um, age groups? Youth athletes are they have slightly
1: different races so there's a difference that you need to adapt in terms of your coaching
0: mm-hmm.
1: everything's really intense um and the speeds are incredibly high and the paces are incredibly high with youth coaching but with youths you need to be on the ball you need to have them engaged in a session and you need to do sometimes a little bit more explaining as to why you're doing something um i find with age groupers or adults um that if they start to get a little bit bored they're generally more capable of containing that in their heads and thinking okay this this session's a bit boring but i kind of know why i'm doing it so i'll just just get on and do it whereas a youth athlete will tell you there and then they're bored yeah um,
0: exactly especially <laughs> nowadays
1: yeah which is fine um but you need to be on the ball um you also need to add a degree of I, I'm gonna say you need to add a degree of fun in their sessions, but since doing youth coaching I've added a degree of fun in adult sessions as well because adults like to have fun too. And I think sometimes coaches forget that adults do like to be silly sometimes.
0: I think we sometimes forget this is still a hobby. Yes. Most of the people. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Um It doesn't matter how serious you take it, it's still a hobby. It is. And it's meant it to is. be fun.
1: Yeah. And some of the youth athletes, yes, they're very good and they could go on that elite pathway, but some of them it is still a bit of a hobby and they just they they want to stop when they get to university level, maybe. But some of them, this is my career, this is what I want to do. Um so you have to kind of balance that as well and understand the motivations for a youth athlete over an age group athlete.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Mm. What would be the best advice? you could give to someone that is thinking about starting doing triathlon right now?
1: Doing triathlon right now?
0: Yeah, uh, for example, someone like you who never did sports or Mm -hmm. not very interested in sports and then start to to run or ride a bike Mm -hmm. and wants to learn swimming. Um, What's the best piece of advice you can give?
1: Take a deep breath. Pull up your big girl or big boy pants. It's not that difficult. Um, And find a club, I really would say that if you're a bit nervous about doing it then find a club there will be somebody else who's also recently just started um who will give you the encouragement that you need answer all those ridiculously stupid questions that aren't actually that stupid everybody's asked them before you um and you know find some other people to to train with to help you to encourage you um or to commiserate with you when the swim coach says that you've got however many meters to swim and you look at each other and think oh my god really (laughs) have we got to do this and there'll there'll be somebody in there wanting to not literally but hold your hand and help you um i found triathlon is the friendliest sport i've been involved in so i've been involved in cycling on its own as a sport running on its own as a sport um and that they can have cliques um and not be as welcoming, triathlon has been the most welcoming sport i've ever ever joined
0: um, and now I'll make you yeah. the same question for someone who wants to become a coach. Mm. yeah What's the best advice you can give to someone who wants to um uh, to embrace the coaching career?
1: Do it just yeah start practicing, start having a look as to Um, what coaching qualifications there are around um just my my caveat to to coaching and I I love coaching um and I really do enjoy seeing people achieve what they want to achieve performance wise or you know just get better at what they're doing is just make sure that you have got the time available to do it um because it's all-encompassing and I, I feel a great coach spends time thinking about sessions beforehand, engages fully in the session, and then after the session as well. And if you're coaching with your local club and you're the only coach, then you don't end up doing those club sessions because you're busy coaching them. So it's kind of just making sure that you can balance being a club mate mm-hmm. as well as being a club coach. And it is is easily doable um, as long as there's a couple of you and you just share things between you. Um, but if someone's looking to to be a coach, um, if you're in the UK, there are a couple of qualifications that you can do, where they're not full coaching qualifications, um, where you can be, it's like a a run leader or a bike leader, where it's the first step on the ladder to being a coach, where you take some of the sessions, but the coach has always got that eye over what's happening, and you're you're almost like an assistant coach. Um, so you know you could do that just to try it out to see whether you do like it um but it's one of the most rewarding jobs i like to say job because i get paid for it even though it doesn't feel like a job it just feels like a, yeah, exactly. a nice thing to be doing it's one of the most rewarding things to do for sure
0: and um so my last question for you is um what's next
1: what's next oh um wow well, I'm, I'm not really sure what's next um we've recently moved house and moved locations in the country. Um we moved at the beginning of the first lockdown, so I haven't actually made any friends in my new environment. So How can that be possible,
0: Sarah?
1: Cuz I'm going to go anywhere. <laughs> um so I know from past experience the best way to make friends is to join your local triathlon club. Um so I need to I need to do that and hopefully get back into coaching a little bit more um in with my local club. Um but the academy year starts, the trials start in five weeks' time, I think it is. So there's a whole um, season of triathlon to come with new youths to, to coach. Um, but we've got some um, things going This is going to sound terrible. but things going on in our personal life that we needed to deal with. Um, we just bought a house that we're renovating, so that's taking up a lot of my time and a lot of our energy. Um, so I shall continue coaching online, I should continue coaching with the academy and then join the triathlon club and try and find some friends and then maybe um, if they need extra coaches, start coaching there and looking around to see if there's any other triathlon clubs or clubs that I can get involved in to, to help coaching in my new area.
0: And with all that, I didn't hear a visit to Portugal to see my friends. Wow, <laughs> am
1: I allowed in? Am I allowed in to Portugal at the moment? I
0: think you are, yeah, I think you are right yeah. now.
1: Oh, well, definitely a visit to Portugal. Yeah, well, that's standard, a visit to Portugal. I think I owe you a couple of coffees as well. So I'll I think definitely...
0: you do, yeah, and I owe you a few over there. <laughs> so, thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. It was a no pleasure worry. to talk with you again.
1: No problem at all.
0: And I hope to see you soon.
1: Hopefully, yes. Thank you. The Believe, Strive, Achieve podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment and show
0: notes are found at trytrainingharder.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your
1: favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at trytrainingharder. Thanks for listening.